growing, maturing, and building upon our faith. And that's going to be the theme in the Sunday School Hour for the next couple of weeks, and we're thankful for that. But from our text this morning, I want to bring a message on the very first step to spiritual growth. There's got to be something in our life before we can ever begin to grow into spiritual maturity. And while I'm preaching this morning, there is a question that I want you to ask yourself today over and over in your heart. And before I read the scripture, just let me do this while I'm looking at this beautiful lady in the back. Miss Bingham, it's so good to see you today. Give her a hand of love. God bless you, honey. We sure miss you. We sure miss Brother Norman. And uh, But God bless you. I didn't see you in that pretty red dress sitting back there. And that looks so wonderful. Our text today, First Peter, chapter number 2. And for the sake of the text, we'll read the first three verses. But verse 2 holds our thought today. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside... All malice and all guile and hypocrisy envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes. I want you to underscore that in the text. As newborn babes. Say that with me again. As newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Let's say this little line out loud together. That ye may grow thereby. So he tells us the only way to spiritual growth is, of course, to desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. But verse number 3 is a very uh, informative verse to me. He says, If so be ye have tasted, and say it again with me now, that the Lord is gracious. And let me just say this this morning, anybody that tells you they don't love or believe the Bible has never had a taste of it. But if you ever experience the living God, the living Savior, the living Word in your life, you have tasted, as the psalmist said, and as you've tasted and experienced, you know that the Lord is good and the Lord is gracious. I believe first and second Peter tells us the kind of Christian, the kind of person we ought to be in the light of the Lord's coming. And can I remind you again today, Jesus is coming. And in the light of that coming, first and second Peter lays out the kind of Christian or the kind of believer that we ought to be. In these two epistles, he tells us that we ought to be a godly believer. He tells us we ought to be a gracious believer. He tells us we ought to be a glad believer. He tells us we ought to be a going believer. He tells us we ought to be a glowing Christian whose light shines for the cause of Christ. But in the middle of being godly and glad and gracious and glowing and going, our text tells us that we ought to be a growing Christian. A better Christian today than we were yesterday. 
And the next several weeks, I want us to think about growing in the grace of God, growing in our spiritual life, growing from babes in Christ to spiritual maturity. And I'm telling you today, if you're not a growing Christian, you're missing out on the wonderful experience of the grace of God. God wants to do more than save you from hell. God wants you to live for him. And he wants you to grow as a believer in Jesus Christ. But I believe this morning it would be a great mistake not to cover what I consider the very first step of spiritual growth. So the next few moments, I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm not going to ask you, are you a growing Christian? For the next few moments, I'm not going to even ask you what kind of a Christian you are. For the next few moments, I want to ask you this question. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Have you been born again? Are you more than just a religious, a religious follower? But are you a Christian? You say, well, Brother Joe, why do you believe that is the first step to growing in Christ? Because you can't grow something that is dead. Can I say that again? You cannot grow something that's not alive to begin with. And I remind you today that dead grass does not grow. Brother Ray and some of our men and our staff, they pray daily, God kill every piece of grass on this 17 acres. I came by the church the other day and I said to Joseph, I said, what's Ray Malden doing? He said, Daddy is getting ready to go through the seven-month tribulation period here at Harvest, cutting all of this beautiful grass, but dead grass does not grow. Can I remind you today that dead flowers do not grow. Dead people do not grow. You cannot grow that which is not alive. And let me say this today about the Christian life. Now listen to this statement. The Christian life. Can I remind you that's what the Christian life is. It is life. The Christian life goes beyond going to church. The Christian life goes beyond reading the Bible. The Christian life goes beyond going through the motions of religious activity. And I love religious activity. I love going to church. I love reading the Bible. I love all that involves in what we call the Christian life. But if you know anything about baseball, you're not going to go home plate if you miss third, and you're not going to third if you miss second, and you're not going to second if you miss first. The very first base, the very first step to Christian growth is, do you have a life to grow? The reason why a little baby grows up to be an adult, one day a seed is planted, conception takes place. And no matter what anybody else says, life begins even before conception. Because dead seed cannot conceive. 
And as that life forms from an embryo to a baby, and then there's a birth, and then there's a child, and then there is a life. You can't grow if you're not alive. That's true in the physical world as well. A seed in the ground is planted. It germinates. It's watered. It's energized by the sunshine. And down under the surface where you cannot see life, growth has taken place. And one day uh, that little root produces a little shoot. And from that little shoot comes a vine. And from that vine comes fruit. That's a result of life. You cannot grow that which is not alive. And I'm asking you today in the fear of God, I'm not asking you, are you religious? Do you go to church? Do you believe in God? Are you a good moral person? I hope you are, but I'm asking you this question. In the fear of God Almighty, do you have a life to grow? Are you truly born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. One of the signs of the last day that Paul warns the young preacher with in 2 Timothy 3, it's called perilous times. We get caught up in the first couple of verses about the depravity and the degradation and the, and the disobedience of society. But you've got to remember in that list of last time sins is spiritual or religious, I should say, deception where it says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I used to embarrass my mama so bad when I was a boy. And I know you can't believe that I would embarrass my mother or anybody else that I had an opportunity to. But one thing used to really aggravate my mother other than putting a case of beer in her buggy and letting her push it all over the store. And there goes the preacher's wife. I almost got killed for that. The one that used to really embarrass my mother, I've always been able to talk to anybody. I would go up to a mannequin and just have a full conversation. I would just go up to a mannequin and I would talk in my voice and I would answer them. And I'm telling you, I've been mentally challenged my whole life. You want to get a crowd around you and have an opportunity to pass out some tracks, just strike up a conversation with a mannequin. I'll tell you this, your pastors preached several hundred revivals across America, and I thought the whole congregation I was preaching to was a big, gigantic mannequin. Can I get a witness? Brother, you can talk to that mannequin all you want to. I've seen some pretty good-looking statues, mannequins. I was in a suit place the other day, and I was over there in the slim fit department. And I don't know if it bothers you or not, but when I'm in the suit place and I'm looking in the slim fits, I don't need some salesman over there going, you're not in the right department. I'm wanting you mind your own business. And I was sitting there looking at that little slim guy and and that slim pinstripe suit and that salesman said, it's going to be a while for you. But I looked at him and he was bigger than me. Like my friend Max Barton who just passed away last week from Alabama. There's some strange people from over in there. 
said his sister was a chain smoker and they were getting ready to leave the hospital after their mother passed away and they was on the elevator and she took one of those smoking coughing fits. I've been having those lately and I don't even smoke now. And uh, you'll get that after a while. And said she took this coughing, I mean this coughing spell and this rather large person said to her, well, I guess by the way you're coughing, you're going to go down there and smoke some more. And he said his sister wasn't saved at the time. And she said, yes, lady, and looking at your size, I guess you're going to the cafeteria and eat some more. I've seen some beautiful mannequins, but they are not alive. They have a form, but there is no life. When we remodeled the church several years ago, I love this greenery down here, and I, I love these beautiful magnolias that are here. And as beautiful as they are, I'm telling you, they're not real. They're not alive. In fact, I've actually seen some so-called live greenery and live magnolia that wasn't as pretty as these. But I can tell you three reasons today you can tell these are not alive. Number one, there's no bees swarming around it. Number two, there's no fragrance emitting from it. And number three, if you mash it and break it, no juice is going to run out. If that was outside on a spring morning, there would be an aroma coming from it. There would be a bee or two uh, buzzing around it. And if you broke the vine, some sap would come out. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be the kind of Christian, I want to be the kind of believer that has heavenly bees swimming around my life and the fragrance of Christ and some Holy Ghost sap living in my heart. Are you saved? Do you know Christ? Have you been born again? This morning, I'm not asking you, are you a growing Christian? I'm not asking you even what kind of Christian you are. I'm asking you, have you met Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're saved? Are you a newborn believer? In our verse this morning, there are three things that I want us to see. Say the verse with me. As newborn babes in Christ. Say that with me. As newborn babes in Christ, second phrase, desire the sincere milk of the word. Say that with me. Desire the sincere milk of the word. And the last phrase, say it with me, that ye may grow thereby. In those three sentences, there are three things I want us to see. Number one, I want you to see when it comes to spiritual growth, the place where it starts. The place where it starts. Where does spiritual growth begin? Well, look in the opening phrase of our text, verse number two, as newborn babes. Say it with me again. As newborn babes. You know where your spiritual life begin? When you were born again. You say, preacher, what does that mean when a man or a pastor of the word of God talks about being born again? That means has the life of God through the power of the Holy Ghost by the shed blood at Calvary. Has it ever been imparted to your 
dead spirit and your soul that was lost without God. Can I say this to you very kindly this morning? If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, If there's never been a moment in time that you said yes to Jesus and believed the gospel, you are a walking dead man. Because the spiritual things of God do not interest you. You have no understanding of them because you are dead in trespasses and in sin. But let me tell you what happens when someone trusts Christ. Even though they are dead in their sin and away from God, the gospel is preached. They hear the call of the Holy Spirit. And they respond to the gospel and they receive Christ. And the life of God and the seed of eternal life is born, it is birthed, it is conceived, it is cultivated in their heart and in their soul. And as they say yes to Jesus Christ, they are born again. They are regenerated. They are converted. And from that day forward, they started living the rest of their life. There are religious people that have never been born again. There are church people that have never been born again. There are people who go to church every time the doors open that have never been born again. That's why you should never say, that's why you should never say, I'm not going to go to church because of so-and-so. Well, so-and-so may go to hell. You don't want to go there. You say, why do you believe there are people who go to church that's never been born again because I went for the first 16 years of my life, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every revival night. You say, how did you have such a desire to serve the Lord and go to church before you were saved? I didn't have the fear of God. I had a parent. In fact, I had two parents. I had a mother or father that we did not discuss whether we were going today. I dare say, Brother Shane, you cannot remember one day that your mother and father woke you up on a Sunday and say, Shane, you want to go today? That was not even discussed. That was our way of life. That was, his, that was in my mom and my dad's DNA. We worshiped the Lord on Sunday. And I'd go to church. I'd go to Sunday school. I could quote some of the Bible. I actually listened a couple of times the first 16 years of my life. But I want to tell you that Thursday night in June of 1979... I heard the gospel. And I became more than a hearer of the word. I became a doer of the word. And that night in simple childlike faith, the best I knew how, I sided with God against myself. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. No, I did not turn over a new leaf. No, I did not rededicate my life. I didn't have anything to dedicate. That night I swapped my dead spirit for the living spirit and my religion for a relationship 
relationship and I stepped out of religious bondage into the liberty of salvation through Jesus Christ. The reason why I'm growing in the Lord, I have a life to grow. I have been born again as new born babes. Don't you love babies? How many of your wishes today before this day comes to a close, your wife will tell you we're having another one? How many hope to God before this day's over, your wife does not tell you we're going to have another one? There's some of you men in this room today, and I'm one of them. If your wife were to tell you before this day's over, she was going to have one, you'd have one, but it wouldn't be a baby. But don't you just love little babies? But you know what you have to do to them, don't you? Feed them. You know what your wife has to do for them, don't you? Change them. Do what? I'm going to. You have to nurture them. You have to take care of them. God forbid, but this morning if a lady was to lay her baby on this altar and all of us turned our back and went home and never came back for a week, we would have a little dead baby laying on this altar. But because that little baby is breathing and blood that's pulsating through its body, you have to feed it, you have to nurture it, you have to clean it, you have to... You have to stay with it because it is alive. And because it's alive, it has to be nurtured. Just as real as that little baby was conceived and grew and born. Aren't you glad one day you heard the word of God and you heard the gospel and you received Christ as your Savior. And today you're more than a Baptist. You're more than a churchgoer. You're more than a claimer of Jesus Christ. But the life of Jesus Christ lives in you through being born again and being saved and knowing Jesus Christ. And the first step to spiritual growth, the place where it begins as newborn babes, you got to know Christ. You've got to be born again. And I'm asking every person in this room today, in the fear of Almighty God, have you been born again? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you been saved? Somebody asked me not long ago, Brother Joe, a pastor like you that's pastored the same church almost 40 years, what is your greatest fear? I have two great fears. One of those is that you hear me preach and never learn anything. You hear me preach and never grow in your spiritual life. If you can't grow on the preaching that I'm doing, we need to get us another preacher. That's a fear of mine. But my greatest fear, the ultimate fear, the one that's kept me from a full night's sleep, For the last 40 years of my life, I eat it, I sleep it, I dream about it, I have nightmares about it. It pushes me to burn the candle at both ends. You said, that sounds pretty serious, Pastor. It is, and here it is. My greatest fear is that you would attend our church Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, 
and sat in this beautiful sanctuary Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, and hear my text and hear my message and hear my sermon and never trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Never have a life-changing, eternally revolutionized experience with Christ and die and go to hell under the sound of my voice from this church pew. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody in Brazil or Africa or or, or Canada or Mexico or Italy or Greece or any place where we have our missionary station all over the globe. I don't want anybody in America to go to hell. I don't want anybody in Georgia to go to hell. I don't want anybody in Metro Atlanta to go to hell. I don't want anybody in Clayton County to go to hell. But there's a certain place called 1974 Walt Stevens Road in Jonesboro, Georgia. There's a church on top of a little hill. And I don't want you to come to this church for 10 years or 5 years or even one Sunday and never be saved and born again and know Jesus Christ. Hell is bad in in any play, way, form, or fashion, but I beg you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, don't go to hell from Jonesboro and Harvest Baptist Tabernacle. The place where it starts as newborn babes. I'm not asking you, are you a great Christian? I'm not asking you, are you a godly Christian, a glad Christian, a growing Christian? I'm asking you, are you a Christian? Do you know him? Have you met him? Does he live in you? There is a resemblance. There is a resemblance and then there's reality. There is religion, but there is relationship. The place where it starts as newborn babes. But that's just where it starts. I'm glad it proceeds. So we see the place where it starts. But second part of the text, we're going to see the process that it takes. Now, we're going to see the start of spiritual growth. But next, the next phrase, we're going to see the steps of spiritual growth. And what is the steps? What is the process? Well, look what the text says. As newborn babes, said with me now, desire the sincere milk of the word. Can I underscore that little word there in the text? The word desire. One of the greatest evidences that you are born again. One of the greatest evidences that you do know Christ as your Savior. There is something in you that works cannot produce, religion can't produce, and money can't buy it, and that is desire. Desire. You know why a lot of times I've let my body go and I've gained excess weight? Because I have this insatious, unsatisfactory desire in me. And you know what that is? Groceries. Those of you that don't enjoy eating, the light of God needs to open your mind. I hate diets. I've read about every kind for the last two months when that doctor said lose weight. I've been studying diets. 
And here it is. I'm going to sum it up for you. If it tastes good, it's bad for you. Bless God, I could eat a hot dog that long right now from Zesto's. Along with one of those nut crown things we talk about. I'd love to go to five guys today and get a cheeseburger. Say, big bless God, you have to cut it up and eat it in little pieces. I have a desire to drink water. I have a desire for food. It's in you. Remember when you had babies? When did they get hungry? Right before you eat. When did they get hungry again? Right before you go to bed. When did they, when did they get hungry again? In the middle of the night when humans ought not to be eaten. You can tell that baby, don't cry, you're not hungry. Don't cry, you're not hungry. But because there's a little life laying in your arms, there's an insatious desire. I want to be fed, I want to be fed, I want to be fed. And I believe when someone really meets Jesus Christ and the life of God is imparted into them, there is an insatiable, unquenchable desire in them to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus and listen, to feel Jesus and to worship Jesus and to experience Jesus and desire the sincere milk of the Word. There's a hunger in you. There's a thirst in you. There's an insatiable desiring you for the word of the living God and may I remind you today there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity the only way to grow in the spirit of God and the grace of God is a daily double portion of the word of God it's called the sincere milk of the word you say why is the word of God so important to our life Well, how many believe today there's wisdom in the Word of God? How many believe there's direction in the Word of God? How many believe there's peace and joy and deliverance and victory and protection in the Word of God? You can't grow without the spiritual food. On this diet I've been studying, I've been coming across this little line called a cheat day. And they say, you need to reward yourself. The only problem I have with cheat days, I don't reward myself, I engorge myself. If you're not careful, one of them cheat days, you can undo everything you just did three weeks before. I mean, you say, well, I'll go by Dairy Queen and get me a mini blizzard. All that does, it makes you want to eat a big blizzard. Well, well, I'm going to go by and eat the little fun style Snickers bar. It ought to be a sin to make them things. Because all that does is reawaken your senses to where you want one of them king size. I took my wife out to eat last night. Boy, we was in this great place of dining, fresh air barbecue. And we was in this great 
uh, outdoor restaurant and we were eating there and she always drinks. Don't you think it's a shame when your husband is doing everything he can and he has withdrawals, he's in the DTs, he's going into shock, almost needing therapy, trying to break the coke habit and she drinks one in front of you and smiles the whole time? That's husband abuse. But I said, baby, I'm going to have a cheat day. And I reached over and got me just a little sip. I shouldn't have done it. Because that little sip, I could drink a Coca-Cola right now on the five-gallon buckets full. Because I wouldn't sleep for three years. You better be careful on them cheat days. Let me say to you more disciplined people than I am that's trying to uh, diet. Or what, if, you have the, if you have the wherewithal and the discipline to diet for six days and cheat one day, I hate you. May the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits and you die scratching. Can I get a witness? You have to watch those cheat days. But let me tell you something. In the Christian life, there better not be any cheat days. In our spiritual diet and our process of spiritual growth, there cannot be any cheat days. I can't cheat the Holy Ghost. I can't cheat the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't cheat the Bible. I can't cheat on my walk. I can't treat on my digestion of the Word of God. Oh, there are no room for cheat days in the Christian life. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I need more on Monday. I need some more on Tuesday. And I need some more on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday because the Bible said the inward man is renewed day by day. Paul said, I die daily. Jesus even said in the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The Christian life is not year by year. It is not month by month. It is not week by week. But it's day by day and moment by moment with Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for you real spiritual people today, I'd break out and sing a little bit of one day at a time. And I don't like the verses either. Whoever wrote the verses didn't understand the doctrines of the New Testament. But they got that course right. They got that course right. One day at a time, please Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. You better remember this. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. So for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. Amen. You say, sing the verses. We don't believe in that. You know, when it says, do you remember? Yeah, he's the God of heaven. He remembers it all. The little light. If you're looking below, I can tell you, he is looking below. But I'm telling you, that course of that song, it's true, it's true, it's true. The Christian life is not year by year. It is not month by month. It is not week by week. But the Christian life is day by day and moment by moment. And you cannot grow as a believer. You cannot grow as a newborn babe in Christ. If you bypass the process, the Word of God has to have a place in your life. And you need it today.
And you're going to need it tomorrow. Let me say to you this morning very humbly, if all you get spiritually is what you get from me on Sunday, you're not going to grow. I bust my chops at what I do. I burn the night oil many nights. I try to pray and prepare and put these messages together and pray over them and get a hold of the meat of the Word of God and try to give you something that'll bless you. I work at it. I sweat at it. I study to show myself approved under God. But listen to your pastor. If all you get spiritually is what you hear me do on Sunday morning and Sunday night and what you get if you come on Wednesday night, you're only getting a portion of what you need. Every day you need to dive into the Word of God. And this needs to be our prayer. Oh, Lord, open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. I want to tell you what kept Jeremiah from quitting and throwing him the towel. He said, Lord, I was about done, but your word was in my heart, shut up in my bones like a fire. I want to tell you what blessed the two disciples on the road to Emmaus when Jesus, beginning at Moses and the prophets, opened up the scriptures and expounded the things concerning himself. One disciple looked at the other and said, did not heart burn within us as he talked with us by the way. Thank God for the book. Thank God for the Word. Thank God for the Bible and the process, the spiritual growing and maturing in Christ is a daily dose of the Word of the living God. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Quickly this morning, the place where it starts as newborn babes. The process in which it takes desiring the sincere milk of the word. And thirdly, the product that it produces. The last line, that ye may grow thereby. Simon Peter said, the Lord's coming. That's been our theme for this year. What will you be in 23? The Lord's coming and seeing that the Lord is coming. What manner of persons ought you to be? And Simon Peter said, here's what you want to be when the Lord comes. A growing Christian. That you've grown in your spiritual life. You're closer to God today. You're more mature today. You're a better Christian today than you were the day before. You know the product that needs to be on our life? Growing in the grace of God. This whole Sunday school campaign is dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, nine different manifestations of the Spirit-filled life. But you can't have any of those nine fruits if you're not alive to produce the fruit. But I want to tell you today the greatest thing that somebody can say about their Christian life, man, I'm growing. 
Yes, I heard the gospel. I was a dead sinner. Yes, I heard the gospel. I responded to the gospel. I trusted Christ. I was conceived of the Holy Spirit. I was born again. I got the new life of God. And I was an infant Christian. I was a baby Christian. I was an adolescent Christian. And well, I got filled and anointed with the power of God. And I'm, I'm a growing up in the Lord. I'm a growing believer. That ye may grow. Thereby, I want to ask you a question today. Not only are you born again, are you saved? But I believe I've got to ask you this question. Are you a better Christian this year than you were last year? Are you closer to God this year than you were last year? Is Christ more real to you this year than last year? Quickly this morning, I did a little acrostic on the word grow, G-R-O-W. There are some things you got to have in your life if you're going to grow. G stands for grace. You can't grow without the grace of God. But aren't you glad God is able to give you and I enough grace to grow in Him as we live in this sinful world? R, G-R, R stands for righteousness. And I want the righteousness of God in my life. I want to be more like Him. G-R-O, O stands for obedience. You'll never grow in your Christian life until you learn the secret of obedience. I told you a while ago the two greatest fears I have being the pastor of this church is you're not growing or you dying without Christ and not being a Christian. Let me tell you a fear I have in my personal life as a Christian. This has driven me. This has helped me. This has inspired me. Oh, I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to do everything God's told me to do. I want to be everything God's told me to be. I don't want any stones unturned, no corners unswept, because I really believe the words of the songwriter. There's only one way to be happy in Jesus, and that is to trust and obey. And the secret to the Christian life and enjoying Christ is obedience. Just being obedient to the Lord in your life. There's grace, there's righteousness, there's obedience. And then that W, I believe, stands for worship. I don't think you'll ever grow in grace till you learn how to worship God. You say, well, Brother Joe, that's what we're having right now, the 11 o'clock worship service. Sad to say, ladies and gentlemen, the average person that goes to a worship service is really not worshiping. They're there observing religious activity. That's why I say sing it, choir. That's why I tell our special singers, sing that they can see your tonsils in the back. That's why we try to preach and teach fervently. We want to do more than go through motions. I want you to worship God. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're, if you're just here spectating, I'm glad you're taking. I'm glad you're here. Oh, but if I could take you by the heart and hand and lead you beyond spectating the singing and spectating the preaching and the Holy Ghost ever usher you into the presence 
of the Holy One. My God Almighty, somebody help me. And you realize how holy and wonderful and gracious and omnipotent God really is. And you praise Him and you adore Him. And you worship Him and you thank Him when you're just from the inside of a contrite heart. Hey, experiencing God. Worship. Worship. I believe you can't grow without it. Three things this morning. Number one, the place where it starts as newborn babes. Are you born again? The process it takes desiring the sincere miracle of the word. Does the word of God have its rightful place in your life? And the product that we see from it is that we grow in the grace of God. Back to these magnolias. They're beautiful. I told Miss Arthur, I said, I want something to tie it all in. We're going to have a white steps, white pulpit, and and white uh, columns and I, uh, white can be, I, I want you to make it look good. We got them here and we got them up in the baptistry. We got some more greenery. They are beautiful. I can't get by with this illustration at other churches because you can make some woman that put them flowers out there real mad. But I've got permission to do this. Man, will you agree with me? Aren't they beautiful? Can anybody see them? Can I move them just a minute? See that? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I'm telling you, it's not real. Number one, it don't feel right. Feels strange. Don't feel right. There's no fragrance other than the smoke from the back where the deacons gather on Sunday morning. <laughs> but more, Brother Wesley, than it doesn't feel right and it. It has no fragrance. I could break that stem into a thousand pieces. I could squeeze it under the pressure and no liquid, no juice, no sap. No plant blood, no life is ever going to come out of it because it's dead. It's not alive. Boy, I want to do more than go to church and look like a magnolia or look like a lily or look like a rose. I want to feel it right. I want to have the fragrance that I've been with Jesus. But most of all, when the world slaps me and stomps me and breaks me, I want some Holy Ghost sap to run out because I want more than resemblance. I want to be connected to the vine. Are you saved? Do you know Christ? And have you acted upon that? And are you growing, maturing in Christ? Let's stand together with our heads about all over the building, our Heavenly Father. Thank you.